Welcome to Broadcast Interrupted. This is Andy. And this is Chirag. Hi, Chirag. Hi, man. <laughs> What are we doing here, Chirag? We're trying to put together a podcast series called Broadcast Interrupted, which is basically about knocking on people's doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, not literally. <laughs> <laughs> It's about uh, bringing people in from diverse backgrounds and uh, uh, learning to ask them good questions and understanding how they practice their profession and sometimes also multiple curiosities that these people might have oh yeah of course i mean if we are able to as architects talk to these people about the kind of work that they do mm-hmm. uh and also discuss uh the the nuances of their work I think that's what the podcast is going to be about. <laughs> Sounds good. So do you want to tell everyone who our first guest is? Yes. Our first guest on the podcast is Hana Shasna. Hana Shasna is a theater director, writer from Frankfurt. She's based in Frankfurt on Main in Germany. The enthusiastic, energetic theater director from Frankfurt who loves to talk about absolutely everything and has a unique perspective on everything that she works on <laughs> yes that exactly. that hamashasna <laughs> i like your description she is like quite a bit like that as you can tell she's also a very dear friend of ours i think i met hana a year and a half ago somewhere around that time in the architecture and sort of creative community of Frankfurt mm-hmm. um i think i i recall one of our first conversations was about one of her pieces um that was uh, that got me really thinking because it was uh, a piece that had a structure of a house in uh placed on the stage or the theater stage and uh she had the audience sit inside that house while the play was played around them Yeah. And the way she described it uh, back then got us talking about many different things. Yeah, and I'm really happy that we got to discuss Heilige Blut, the play in question here mm-hmm. on the podcast in great detail. Yes. And uh, she went through all the aspects of putting together that house which sits on the stage, mm-hmm. the experience of the audience, and I think it was um It was a lot of fun having that conversation with her. I also think what was really interesting is the conversation that we had about the one play that both of us have uh, seen. Actually seen, yes. Which we've actually seen. That's Kleine Leute. Mm-hmm. And I think she, I think, I mean, dude, it's just two people on stage uh, performing, but the whole play or the whole piece is so captivating and so immersive. Yeah, the performances were really powerful. I saw them on two different occasions. In fact, two different uh casts maybe. But uh yes, the the piece, the script, uh the set uh while being so busy aesthetically was so so immersive. Yeah, I I think it was I think I loved the performance and I'm also super happy that we discussed that also on the mm-hmm. podcast. I mean we just we discussed so many things on that podcast it went I think way over two and a half hours yes the complete discussion I also think what was uh, what I really like about Hana is this uh, that she has such a unique perspective not just on theater but also on architecture you know because she's constantly working with these kind of architectural effects and motives yeah. and motives in her play in her pieces Mm-hmm. and uh, constantly negotiating these ideas i think it's i i think i love her work i i know you love it too <laughs> <laughs> same here yeah so i think let's get right into it uh this podcast with hana shasna might be released over two parts mm-hmm. and uh for everyone out there welcome to broadcast interrupted <laughs> Uh this podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean and a few other podcast hosting websites. Please like it, share it and most importantly let us know what you think. Thank you.
Let's do it. Let's start with how many years have you been doing theater for? Wow, okay. Um, how many years? I'm 32 now. Um, so um, if you're asking me since when I'm doing theater, I need to answer since 30 years. Okay. Oh, nice. But uh, when you ask me how long I'm doing professional theater, <laughs> I would say like <laughs> 11 years. Okay. We can, I think... We can go with a... Both answers are really <laughs> important, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... Uh, yeah, I would take both of them. <laughs> somewhere, I would say somewhere between 11 and 30 years is yeah. where we've been doing theater, yeah. per se. And what are you working on currently? Oh, I'm working on, let's say, four different pieces. I'm working on a piece um, about depression and suicide. I'm working okay. on a piece about flying. I'm working on a piece about the paradise. And I'm working on a piece about hatred. About hatred. About hatred. But that work is more or less just in my mind still. So I, I can surprise it myself with it. <laughs> it's just an idea. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, what... Andy and I both saw together one of the pieces that you did was uh, Kleine Leute. Yeah. And I think it was absolutely amazing Aww. because I, for, for me, at least I was for those uh, two hours, I would say, or one and a half hour. That's mm -hmm. the kind of duration. I was like there, like I was held captive or caught in the piece. No, nice. And, you know, it made me think. Whether I've seen theater in Mumbai or I've, I've now been seeing theater and following theater in Frankfurt, the experience of theater is always so captivating and immersive. What do you think kind of makes it this captivating and immersive experience? Ooh, well, I guess that's um, sharing a room with each other. I guess it is... Um, smelling the sweat of each other it is um <laughs> yeah it is um questioning yourself if you're really there mm -hmm. with each other mm -hmm. ah. and it's the difference between stage and audience like in the adorno way of thinking mm -hmm. like this uh, relationships between two parts like that uh, audience is created by the stage and the stage is created by the audience and that tension in one room i guess that's making a theater like when you say that i have to bring up one interesting thing that i thought you did in kleiner loiter there is this uh, so uh, can you first let's just let's have you say a little bit about kleiner loiter and just the characters I try. Um, <clears throat> well, Kleine Leute was uh, a piece about the angel of history who came to Frankfurt to tell the stories of Kleine Leute. I guess the translation might be small people, like normal people. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, finding a director, Hedwig is her name, and she's also interested in the telling history out of the perspective of Kleine Leute. And they, the two of them are like creating now um, a theater evening roundabout how to tell and represent kleine Leute in theater while theater in itself is making large people out of kleine Leute because the frame of theater makes them like important and that was actually the 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 found setting of the idea and um, we see the two rehearse together and uh, I guess the funny, or the nice and uh, really amazing trick that we use is that a lot of people really thought that the rehearsal went wrong or that the show went wrong because the idea was to show a performance, a the start of a performance and then the interruption. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the interruption was part of the piece. And I guess that that idea to be part of a failure Mm -hmm. was um, my most um, like 
the the thought I loved the most uh, when it came to that piece that uh, there might be that question is it really happening now or is it planned happening now so and playing with doubt basically yeah yeah and i think where this situation gets heightened is the scene i was wanting to discuss is that that aspect where the director character and this angel character uh, from the director facing her back to the audience and then the angel sitting in front this at some moment they turn around he climbs into the audience and then the director comes and sits literally in front yeah. on the stage and is instructing uh, the actor <laughs> so to say but here the key difference is that the actor and the audience kind of the stage and the audience kind of collapse yeah. into one they just kind of merge and i thought that was that for me was like like you know because at that point i felt kind of like i'm on the spot <laughs> is she giving me some instruct you know it was something like on those notes yes it was the idea of a circle for me also the directing of that piece was a really really much about the space and the room because the idea was that the angel yeah. when he first came was coming from behind the stage and he found his way to the stage and the director was here and the idea was that they change the director is here and the angel is going there and well that's the circle that we're not showing but they will meet again and okay. also the audience is taking with the angel so mm. there yeah. will be the circle after all and because actually the piece was about the like the fact that history repeats itself i guess mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. The angel's idea was to warn people about, uh, yeah, fascism, for example, in, okay. that, in that special moment. Okay. Uh, what do you do when the play is being performed? Something like Lionel Reiter, for that matter. What are you doing at that time? While my actors are playing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do so many different things. She just stares at them angrily. <laughs> missed a lot of points of time. No, well, um, in that special case, I um, actively give uh, gave text. That okay. was part of the idea that also there's mm. that second level of me actually correcting yeah. what happens while Hedwig is correcting the angel. So to make like that yeah. circle of correcting correcting history yeah that's actually was the idea that's why while that piece in special i really actively corrected them okay and that's something i normally don't do i don't give text like that actively sometimes or most of the times i sit there and i watch the text and i watch the people play so and i try to remember everything so I can give feedback after the show and when I see that they are really hanging there yeah. I sometimes silently give text but in that case the correction circle was part so it's, it's funny I mean you mentioned feedback I was imagining especially at Kleine Leute you're also staring at us the audience for some to get some kind of feedback or do you prefer if you get the feedback from the audience after the performances done it's a really good question i wish i could say i don't watch the audience because i don't care what they think but of course i do because well we all care what audience thinks and if they understand and if they love and if they laugh and if they cry or if they hate it and of course the reactions and the energy in the audience is the feedback i'm like realizing while the show but of course I have a special perspective on the piece and I know how it can be better the next time. That's why I try to focus on the actors so I mm -hmm. can give like really warm-hearted and good feedback after that. Okay, and so when it comes to you getting more feedback about how your how your how the plays or how the piece is kind of shaping up. Uh, do you prefer, what kind of feedback do you prefer? The one that comes in after from the audience or the one that comes while the performance is happening? 
Hmm. Or is there a kind of third kind? Or is there like a... Like, do you trust one or the other more? Do you feel like they came and spoke to you afterwards? And maybe there are people who... Like, for example, let's say, Chirag and I went in, and you watched us watch the show a little bit while the show was being done, but then later we also came and spoke to you. So we know you, but then we spoke to you and we said, hey, really love that part. That's what it did to me. And you're thinking, yeah, but you were really, really uh, sort of focused on some other part too. No, I can't say it in that detail language. Okay. Um, I think I like both, but more important to be true is um, like realizing if the energy that I might have felt while the show um, is like uh, doubled in the feedback or not maybe. Mm. So I need both. But also when I watch audience watching pieces, I also need to um, think about myself because a lot of times actors yeah. tell me after the show, you didn't like it, don't you? You looked so mad all the time. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, it was a nice show. And then I think, oh, okay. I know how I look when I'm concentrated, so that's why I tend not to watch audience because I don't want why to have aren't you laughing. <laughs> this was a funny joke. <laughs> well, I need to say that a lot of things that I find funny, the audience doesn't. But I think that sometimes you you find stuff funny because there are some insider jokes from the yeah. rehearsals and that your flashback to these moments by the rehearsals. Like for example, I had a I, I made a piece in the year 2018, it's called Heilig Blut, and there was a scene that we couldn't rehearse till the first show that we had. Because, really? No, because the, the actor, <laughs> Christoph, he's such an experienced actor, and he was so, so, so crazy about that one scene, and he could not do it without getting, like, a laughing attack. And he was like, <laughs> I can't! I never had that, that it's not possible for me to play the scene. And always when we rehearsed the scene, like the half of the scene, and you saw it, and he was... And <laughs> everybody else on the stage was like starting to laugh. And I remembered that when we had the premiere, I was like, okay, they will do it. It will work. And the thing is, it worked. And the moment that it was done, the scene, they all started laughing because I realized we just made it. This is the first time that it happened. And I was, <laughs> it was like, can you believe this? <laughs> no, it was really, that was so funny text. And uh, the, the form, how we arranged it, yeah. like really dry. The text was so funny, but the, the, the tone of the actors was so dry. And that made that really funny, funny situation. Speaking about uh, architecture, then <laughs> what kind of a theater architecture do you prefer or do you think is good? Oh, yeah, I love to direct in a space that is at least getting me the idea of I can do whatever I want there. So, for example, if you would ask me, hey, I have a lot of money, I want to design a theater for you, I would say, like, find a space, well, an area where um, it doesn't look as if there would be a theater at all mm -hmm. and create a theater that welcomes the people to go in, not with a lot of columns, maybe glass, you know, that everything is visible and then design a room, uh, well, a theater space that is can be empty. And everything that is like, uh, everything else should be like a plug-in, like yeah. mobile plugs mm -hmm. that you can sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there. Because the empty space is the most inspiring for me. Mm -hmm. I like to be free when I think about how should I um, design it here or... 
install the stage here. Yeah. And it's also always um, another sort of uh, uh, access to the script itself, I guess. You're looking at the script and you're saying, I'm going to have to represent some of this formally and how much of it. So if the script has a house in it, doesn't mean you're going to build a house really the way a house should be or something like that. Yes, and it also sometimes is like that I have an idea for a piece and I I think about the idea and that sometimes I say I can't do it in that theater because the, the theater space itself is giving so much um, interpretation on it. So, for example, the Heilig Blut Inszenierung could not have happened anywhere else except from the Landungsbrücken. Of course, I could have installed it in the real theater places, but it would be so absurd to install the house where the audience sits in the house and outside there is that large uh, constellation where normally people sit and watch on the stage. So that would be like, yeah, it would be so weird. That's why, for example, that how... Um, Heilig Blut, for me, it was quite clear when I want to um, play it somewhere else, mm -hmm. I will ask if we can play it outside, for mm. example, not in a classical theater yeah. or in uh, industrial houses or stuff like uh, because of the light. It's no, nice right. to have light. Yeah. <laughs> But we also had the idea to play it really without any technique except from sound really uh -huh. on... on um, Yeah, like free places in the uh, city. And I always would suggest to design a stage where people watch from above, not not um, up high. Okay. I don't like that. Because there are also theaters where you sit like that. Yeah. And then the stage is higher. Yeah. And I prefer it when you watch from the stage is there because oh, okay. for everybody it's easier to see everything when you're looking from up to down yeah. and also because I don't like to be above the audience I just don't like it it's my personal thing I don't like to preach when I'm making theater I want the audience to watch and to have the overview yeah <laughs> of what's going on yeah and um, for me perfect theater would be like also different kind of levels, I guess. But the, the problem is that the levels also need to be gone when I don't need them. Okay. You know, like... You'd, be want, you'd like to be able to like work vertically also. I like to start with an empty room. Mm. Okay. And from that empty room, I think how do I want the audience to sit, which relationship one do I want them to have to the stage? Do I want to have a stage? For example, in another piece, I uh, put the I didn't have any stage. I had a circle of of, of uh, chairs, and in the middle there was one table, and mm -hmm. the people are sitting in that circle of chairs, and the actors are walking in circles all the time, oh. all the time. And this piece is about the circle of law. Okay. So, of course, they are walking around. And you're sitting there as the audience and you're like... <laughs> and this time I'm producing a piece where I have uh, two actors playing one person in six rooms, different rooms on stage. And each room is, has the same uh, setup, a table, a chair and a lamp. Okay. And they are moving around all the time changing position and the position where they are changes the relationship to the audience. Mm -hmm. So when they're sitting on that side, the audience is a taxi driver. They are talking to them as if he's a as if they were a taxi driver. Here she's talking to the audience if if the audience is a therapist. Okay. So and that's also just possible when The public, the audience is really close, mm -hmm. but I could decide. Whether. From the outside, then, 
this was a description of the theater from the inside how do you think the theater should look on the outside oh, that's a really good and really important question because um sometimes i have the feeling that the architecture of a theater is like so strain strong so strong that it tells a lot of people not to go inside what do you mean by that i mean like it looks so classy or okay. in impressive or old and traditional and it looks so um holy yeah that I would uh I would like search for architecture that is not that holy. Okay. You know, like I, I told before you like it's I, I guess that glass for example could be really cool. So it's an open space. You can come here, you can see who's walking around and it's not just like okay, it's a huge building and a small door. No, 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 you need to have a, a building and really wide doors so people can go in and see maybe through class what is happening there for example i really like the architecture of the staatstheater in darmstadt it's okay. behind a huge uh, free place and the facade is completely out of glass okay so um there is the potential to be welcoming i don't know if it really happens mm -hmm. um or if it really in the city is like giving the feeling that it's welcoming people but the architecture itself seems for me the right step <laughs> uh where in where in frankfurt do you think which neighborhood in frankfurt do you first think of all would, would it be in frankfurt yeah or in schwabländle <laughs> oh i don't have any connections there anymore um Well, I don't know. In Frankfurt, to be true, there are a lot of theaters. The problem is that most of the theaters nobody knows or just the special fans know about the theaters. And I guess what is missing in Frankfurt is a place for a huge place for children's pieces and children's oh. theater. But they are in um, planning it and re writing an old um, building to become a place for children and youth theater. So I hope that it, this will take place, um, that they are creating that, because there is a nice children's theater in Frankfurt, but it's so small. And that means for also that theater that there are just like 100 spaces, 100 uh, audience places. But the thing is, of course, um, when groups are coming and just imagine 500 kids in one room watching one piece that could be so cool and yeah that's why the, the scene is searching for a bigger place for children and youth theater and the question was where would I install theater mm, maybe Rödelheim uh, don't yeah. ask me why okay. I think it's <laughs> because it's one of the areas where actually no theater is mm -hmm. okay. till now and it's a really really sweet and nice and um um some la somehow like a small village in frankfurt oh, okay. yeah and, yeah rudelheim is s4 s5 no which I uh which remember, line? but i've been there yeah. once Even I've been there once, yeah, and mm -hmm. I like it. It's a beautiful place. I like it a lot, and there is a Hausen, and in Hausen there are theater or cultural places, but Rödelheim, yeah. But it, I, I needed to think about it. Okay. Okay. And okay, you also work with kids, like with children. Mm -hmm. What kind of work do you do with them? Oh, so many I believe different. the project. Is called X and Y. Uh, X That's one of the plays, I guess. Right? It's one of the. Ah, wir so. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I work with Again, kids. Again, nicknames to your plays. Yeah. I I um I work with kids and I also direct pieces for kids. Yeah. But you want to talk about that? Both. 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 Okay. Um, when I work with kids. I do a project and I plan it and it always comes to be different. 
Yeah. And that's the best thing about working with kids, with kids and teens, that you have an idea because you wrote some text to get money for the project and then you're realizing, oh, that has nothing to do with the reality of the people I'm working with. <laughs> Let's change everything. Yeah. And I'm really happy that I'm not that... And they are giving me so much energy. And to be true, if I would not work with kids or teens, I don't know if I could really survive in the theater machinery yeah. because we are producing, 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 producing. And it's also a sort of experiment ground for you. Like you, you test a lot of your ideas and thoughts. And no, I, I don't feel it like I'm testing. But to be true, I'm testing without feeling I'm testing because at the the kids give me the form ah, uh, out okay. of their own. So if I plan like, and we're doing that piece this time, and then they say like, uh, yeah, um, we could do it like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, we could do it like that. And <laughs> when I'm working for kids, oh yeah, I did my first really, really, um, I did my first piece for small kids last year, 2002, at Theater House. Before, I just directed for teenagers, like 14, 16, like, and that right. was for the first time, or not the second time, mm -hmm. where I made a piece that should be for kids, like, around about four, five, six years old. And therefore, yeah, I, I realized I love forms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have two figures there, and the one figure is a a Y and the other is a W, no, X, an X, X. X yeah. and like we we watched the actors being in that position and we were like, okay, how could you move as that figure <laughs> and what is telling that move about the oh, character? Oh, actually walk like a Y, yeah. uh, so they can't lift their legs. The, 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 the W, no, the, the Y is jumping okay. all hopping, the time, yeah. hopping, and the X is like yeah. That. Okay. And it's like moving a stair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the time. And how out of that out of that movement we created characters. Right. Like for example that X um <laughs> like he's a little bit slow. Yeah. He's like a little bit simple. Yeah. yeah. He's moving hmm, hmm. and the, the Y is always like really like Nervous and also a little bit exhausting. And yeah, yeah. These two, they meet each other and they're like, Who are you? Who are you? You're looking like me. But also not. You're looking like me when I just look one half of you. Yeah. Uh. You're strange. <laughs> so there's that sentence, for example, the, the, the X says about the Y when I look at it. From the, the half on top, he's looking quite normal, but down there, he's so strange. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, it's a piece about the individual uh, of the individuality of each person. Yeah, yeah. yeah? yeah. And we're showing that um, as an example, what through something that is completely ridiculous, like <laughs> X and Y. Also, during, I think, uh, the last year when there was Corona happening, you did this uh, you did this small project where you said there were these guaranteed mailback yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. awards, <laughs> rewards to a scheme that kids could subscribe for. What was that about? Yeah, that was um, the Flux Kinder Academy. Flux is a really huge project that um, connects artists with schools. For, okay. um, and I'm working for that project since, I don't know, five, six years. And each year I make project. This time um, it was a huge project. They gave me, they said to me, you can have the Kinder Academy. Yeah. Um, it's Corona. Um, we need to think about how it could take place even though... And um, for me, it was quite clear I can't do that alone. So I asked one of my favorite colleagues, Antigone and Annika, um, to help me. But and then we 
like each day when there were new rules, <laughs> we reacted on them. Okay, how should we how should we react on them and make like out of the rules that are given by Corona, make a theater theatrical dread a form, a theater form. So, and what you're asking about was the idea because it was about good news. The idea was to um, search for energies, how in these times where you have the feeling that bad news are everywhere and yeah. they are having so much pressure on your body, um, how to save and protect the good news that you get each day because there are good news. For example, um, my roommate smiling at me. Yeah, that's a good news for me. Just yeah. personal, really personal feeling, and but I can't protect that feeling, that yeah. that memory, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was about protecting memories, and um, that's why we installed uh, yeah, uh, delivery services for good news. And I found like addresses from all the world. People around me sent me their addresses, and the kids like wrote postcards with their good news but it was really important for the project that it's not just a one-way street you know that kids are giving good news sharing everything and not getting something back so that's why uh, one of the rules in that case was like when you're a part of the project yeah. and kids will send you good news there's the guarantee for them that they will get good news back and okay. that's why the name of the delivery <laughs> service was Good News Delivery Service with Good News Back Guarantee. Wow, that's it's so sweet. <laughs> it sounds just amazing. I think the children would have loved it, right? They loved it. It was the first time for a lot of them to write a letter. Yeah, what yeah. with all wow. the phones and devices that they are... Yeah, the teacher wants, after uh, that letter writing took place in the school, she called me and she said like, you're giving me the most funny lesson I ever had because <laughs> I gave the kids the envelopes and the, the posts, the stamps, and then they started writing the addresses somewhere and she was like, no, no. <laughs> has to go in the middle of yeah. the and, okay and she was so sweet Anina her name oh she's a really great teacher and he's she's really good in supporting artists with connecting to um schools and school projects yeah and the idea was to find a translation for internet okay. to be true ah. Because the idea of networks, you know, because everybody knows how internet functions. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, because it was about feelings and not about, it was about especially not to use the internet. Mm -hmm. And that's why we installed these old-fashioned retro analog idea of writing letters <clears throat> And the kids loved it, especially they loved when they got back letters. Of course they did. It was a gift. And that's actually so nice because the gift itself was the fact that there was something coming back. Okay. And so actually all yeah. is about communication, you know. Yeah, kind of also slowing it down in a way, the communication, no? Sort of uh, yeah, not having I, this instant <clears throat> message uh, idea that you're going to send this letter out and there's a guarantee that you're going to get a good news back. And um, we're going to have to wait and watch how this project comes along. Yeah, there's now a film that is produced based on the project. Oh. And <clears throat> yeah, we had, because we knew that it might be really hard to have a live performance because we didn't know if it would could take place. It took place um, because we played our live performance while the kids played their live performance uh, outside, mm -hmm. eight degrees, <laughs> for another glass, eight degrees, standing there mm, watching the performance. But because we didn't know if that could take place, we yeah. organized uh, a film, a film artist, Jana, mm -hmm. And she uh, was in the project too. And then she generated a lot of film material. <clears throat> and out of that film material and out of other film material and out of material that the kids themselves designed mm -hmm. and produced, um, mm -hmm. Annika, one of the artists in the pro project, is creating a film now. 
It's okay. half documentary, half um, atmospheric. I need to say, oh, yeah, okay. it's it's, can't, it's not about showing what we all did in the project. It's more about like, look, that's the vibe of the project. And that's how okay. It must be interesting if we can find it on public domain. The film itself is it gonna? Uh, what is it? Is it like a production from a from the city, from the company, or? It's the production of the um, the the project Flux. Ah, okay. okay. And it will be, but it will just be um, published on the internet page of the school, mm-hmm. because of course, and that's something that is so important, but also sometimes makes my work really hard. The uh, the pr- protection of the data of the kids is so important, you know? Their mm-hmm. face should not mm-hmm. be everywhere. Yeah. They are kids. So before you are able to film kids, you have like to have like a t- two-week procedure with asking parents and they having right. letters yeah. to write and then to think, okay, how could we manage that, that the kids who want their project to be seen, that's the thing, but also the idea of protecting them from right. being seen from the wrong persons. Um, yeah. It's a right. really complicated and really important organization tool. And um, I just learned so much about data protection the last half a year. Because, of course, of Corona, I needed to work a lot with digital media and film. Right. And when it comes to that, you need to think about protection of data, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. So, moving to a slightly different topic, your master's thesis was on the movie Four Lions. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, you did research. <laughs> so you sat down. <laughs> yeah, it was the Where most fun you... research. Just yeah. watching this movie again. <laughs> I was, I was re, I, I re, rewatched this movie yesterday, and there was something about it. You know, I mean, the movie is hilarious. As you, I found it like some of the scenes are just amazing what do you mean yeah 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 when they do those surveillance <laughs> things and stuff like that anti-surveillance but, but you know towards the end i felt this deep sadness it's somehow. so sad how it kind of to what it leads it's towards so the end sad. Uh, not trying to give out spoilers but it's been out since very long so you want to talk a little bit about your master thesis process uh, project what were you trying to do in that Yeah, I can try. It's a really long time. It was like I wrote it 2014. And, um, well, the the title of my thesis was Hail Jihad, My Dear. Hail Jihad, My Dear. Okay. Yeah. And the subtitle was How to Criticize in Art... Um, except from criticizing an art. How to criticize an art except for criticizing the artist or the artist? No, no, no. no. It was how to criticize with art without okay. criticizing with art. Ah, okay. All right. Um, it's a complicated structure. In German, it's um, Kritik jenseits von Kritik. It's a little bit... Okay. More uh, <laughs> complicated in English for me. Um, I I was curious about a really political topic in that moment when I wrote it. I was really in researching in religious extremism. <clears throat> okay. And um, I came to that interest because I was director's assistant for a really really great um, show. 2011, I think, Radikal Extrem Hoch 2, that was the title of the piece, Okay. where the director, Alexander Brill, who I, I assisted at this moment, at this time, tried to show the parallels mm-hmm. between um, uh, German nationalism and um, Islamistic, um, radical, religious um, tra- uh, 
politics. Okay. All <laughs> and right. that show was so fucking funny, really. <laughs> But also at the end, it was so sad. Okay. And you were there, you hated the figures on the stage and you were had you were full of pity with the figures on the stage. Yeah. And you saw they are fighting for something, but they are losing it in the middle. And of course, that's actually a little bit parallel to the narrative of the film for Alliance. Yeah. And um, for me, it was interesting to compare the medium film with the comp uh, with the medium theater. Mm -hmm. And even though they are trying the same. And what was the same was the really absurd humor um, that both of those medium um, can reproduce. And that's why I <laughs> connected these two, the film and the theater piece, that, with the topic and the idea that how these two mediums or these two examples use humor yeah. to criticize their... Um, criticize their objects, the yeah. figures, is the trick is to feel like to use humor to feel pity. And okay. not just feeling pity because someone is falling over a banana peel, but to feel pity because you see that no, I need to write it different. That when the when the audience starts laughing about people mm -hmm. yeah ha 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 he's so stupid and the audience ends with crying about themselves that was actually the thesis so it's a it's a kind of a a strategy a humor strategy, strategy. so i used the master thesis to analyze a humor strategy which would be political in a more um, artistic or more clever way than mm. just being satire, for example, or parody. Okay. Like that they always, it's actually about the moment where you feel like I want to laugh, but I can't anymore. And when I laugh, I don't laugh about the figures anymore. I laugh about myself because yeah, kind of. I am not able to find my place here anymore. That was the masterpiece is about. It kind of induces a, a reflection of the self, or yeah, it's, it makes you sort it of. It was uh, the the master thesis was actually in in the theater field. You are calling it um, um, recept, also um, receptions basiert. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was more about what is the feeling when you watch it and not about how is it done. Ah. So uh, then I think it is very interesting then to just quickly, maybe we think about this, is that uh, the same strategy that you describe, something that I felt when I watched Four Lions 2, in a way, you know, I was laughing at the start and then towards the end there was no more laughter. It was either deeply saddening and so on. Yeah, and uh, you, you didn't find your place anymore. That's what I like is that for in the first time, Yeah. You're like, I can laugh about these guys. And at the end, you think, what, who am I when I'm not able to laugh about these guys anymore? And that's yeah, like, like you're, you're, you're shocked in your own position as a, uh, as a person who is um, watching it. In theater, the audience can manu manu manipulate what happens through their presence. And for example, if they don't laugh, the actors will realize that and that will change everything. Okay. Is that, is that a sign of a good actor or a bad actor? A bad actor. Will start responding to the audience's manipulations. Hmm? Not active manipulation. I'm not talking about hecklers. No, no, no. no. I mean no. like, I, I, for example, for me, what I really hate when I watch my actors um, reacting For example, well, to be true, when uh, when you play something funny and audience laughs, that's the best gift you can get as a person right. on stage. But if you realize that they are laughing a lot and then playing more, 
more that you know because that gives you a good feeling. Yeah. And yeah. then like, like producing as well, like manipulating each other. Yeah. And for me, most of the time, it's we're not having a show here. It's not, reaction is good, but never play for the reaction of the audience. Always play for the reaction of the figure. And okay. you want to kind of always tend towards engaging the audience conceptually more than engaging them uh, directly like that, like responding to their, to their laughter. Yeah, in a totally. Certain... So based on the concept that you search, okay. but I always have the feeling that when you're like um, writing, when it comes to, for example, laughing in a room, yeah. that's releasing, you know, it can be releasing in so many different ways. And when you produce laughters because you know the audience will laugh, you are also allowing them to release. And sometimes it's the idea is that you're not allowing to release in that moment. So I see like, don't produce humor here. Don't produce laughter here. <laughs> laughters here. Just keep it simple mm. and don't produce it. It needs to be so... It needs to be nuanced. It has to be very controlled, but at the same time, yeah. But that's also how what, what makes the the um, <clears throat> job of an actor and actress so uh, hard because everybody, every director is telling you do what I told you, but uh, do what you feel on stage. <laughs> and it's like okay, so I'm in the same moment. I'm telling don't produce. Yeah. For the audience, and in the same moment, you always can react on the audience. <laughs> and who can do what? Well, it's it's like that? walking a tightrope. It's a very, t <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's the situation. So, so uh, sorry, I just wanted to ask: uh, Has an actor ever told you that uh, I don't feel what you're telling me to do? Yeah, of course, but in rehearsals. Okay. There were moments when actors told me, I can do that now, but I should know why. Mm. And then you're trying to find out how can we uh, like create an impulse for the actor. Because sometimes, of course, it's like I have an idea and I want to see it. Mm. Mm. And sometimes I also uh, work with pictures. You're trying to discover it. Yeah. And that's why, okay, I, we, we, you okay. are here and we should end in that picture because I'm like in love with the idea that you're, for example, in Kleine Leute, I'm in love with the idea that you're here in the books. Hmm. We, but she was there. And then yeah. I said, go down there. And she was like, why? <laughs> I was like, okay, let us talk about it. <laughs> we need to talk. And yeah. then she said like, okay. And I was like, okay, what happened before? How we can, how can we figure out an impulse for mm -hmm. her, an inner impulse to do that? Because Hannah wants to see the picture. <laughs> so that's, but that's the job of being a director. Yeah. That, just that's the job, making decisions and creating impulses for people. Because 90% of the impulses the actors can do on their own. But sometimes when you as a director have a crazy idea, yeah. because you just want to see that picture, you need to help, of course, because it, actors are having a completely different view on what they do than you do from mm. the outside. Mm. 